0: to Life
1: Church podcast with Pastor David Sinkriever. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to God with a word of prayer here as we get into his word. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can rest in Jesus and that we are free in him because of what he's done for us on the cross. We pray that you'd open up your scriptures to us now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, Lord, that I'm Uh, I'm quite ill-equipped and unable in my own strength to uh, do this task, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can make this make sense. You can make this have impact. You can make this uh, have change in our lives that leads us closer to you. Help us, Holy Spirit, to bend our lives around you and around your word instead of around what we feel and what we think is best. We love you today, Lord God, and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we are uh, in a 52-part series, uh, and we're in part 11 of that series today, and it's just been a blast. It's called Centered. We're centering on Jesus Christ, the foundation and the center of our faith. Um, And so uh, we've been talking about Uh, some highlights in Jesus' life and ministry leading up to Easter, and then we're going to look at his miracles, at his teachings, at his parables, at types of Christ in the Old Testament, and we're just having a ball doing that. Um, You know, Pastor Bill talked last week a little bit about the woman at the well, and today we're going to meet a couple of friends of Jesus'. Um, I think it's important when you're examining someone and when you're looking at his life, you look at who he was friends with, who he hung out with. Jesus had lots of followers, lots of fans. He also had several foes, people that wanted him dead. But he had some close friends as well. And we're going to meet two of his wonderful friends, a couple of wonderful ladies. Their names are Mary and Martha. So if you'd open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're just going to look at a couple verses today. Um, If you don't have a Bible, there's a hardback Black one in the back, and you can uh, take that as your gift uh, from us today. We want you to have a Bible, we want you to be reading a Bible uh, and connecting with Jesus through the Bible. So here we are in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to meet a couple of Jesus' friends. We'll be looking at these same friends again next week, so you'll want to remember Mary and Martha, a couple of really great ladies in the Bible. So let's read this and then we'll walk through it. Sometimes when uh, someone else is reading the scriptures, I just like to listen. So feel free to do that as well, because we're going to walk through it line by line as we go through it today. But sometimes it's weird how the Spirit can help you to catch more when you just listen to the Word. All right, so here we go. I'll read it and then we'll unpack it. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, now as Pastor Bill said last week, um, Jesus placed an incredible importance on women in a culture that, was often, um, that often devalued women, and we're going to see that here again today. Jesus is befriending these women, he's close with these women, he spends time with them, and he takes time to teach them and train them and instruct them. Now that's the first thing we learn here. The second thing we see is that these two are sisters, and that though they are adults, they still act like sisters. Um, they haven't quite grown up out of all their sisterly troubles. Uh, you can almost kind of picture this scenario happening when Mary and Martha are like six or seven. you know. And I've got uh, Liv, who is almost five, and, and I can kind of imagine um, her and Jada doing this sort of thing. You know, where Mary and Martha's mother would tell them, go clean your room. And you can just see Martha's up there, and she's alphabetizing everything and structuring everything and putting everything in its place and color coordinating all her clothes. And she's just getting everything exactly how it's supposed to be. And meanwhile, Mary's over there in her tutu just spinning around dancing and singing worship songs. And Martha's like, Mom, you know, Mary's doing it again. She's not helping me. Tell her to help me. And you can kind of see this whole scenario unfolding back when they're like six or seven and nothing's changed except that it's not their mother anymore. It's now Jesus who gets caught in the middle of this thing. All right, and so as we dive into this passage, I want to compare and contrast Mary and Martha a little bit because here is the deal, friends. Uh, there are there are two types of us here in the church. Um, just like Mary and Martha were sisters, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are Marys and Marthas in the church, and we tend to annoy one another just like Mary and Martha annoyed one another back in this time. All right, so I want you to see who you are more like today. Okay, if you are Mary. Uh, you tend to be more contemplative. You tend to to think a little deeper, and you tend to like deep thought a little bit more, and you just kind of like sitting there pondering things a bit more. If you're Martha, you tend to be more active. Um, You're more prone to the activities um, of the church and things like that. Uh, Mary is going to be more towards the ministry of the Word. Uh, She's going to like to do Bible studies and and help people dive deeper in, in their knowledge of God and in their relationship with God. Martha's going to be on every kind of committee. She's going to be at the, doing the work of the church. She's going to be um, on the building committee. And she's going to be on the outreach committee. And she's going to be on the service committee. She makes a great deacon. Okay? Um, so they're different. Uh, and that's what I want you to notice about these two. is Neither one is bad. They're just different. Okay? These are two wonderful ladies. Uh, Mary is about being. And, and some of you uh, have this ability to just, you know, you just call me like, well, let's just, let's just be present. And, and Martha's, you just don't even know what that means. You know, you just have a hard time with that saying because it's like, what, is this, what does this even mean? Uh, Martha's are more about doing, like, what are we accomplishing here anyway? You know, wh- nothing's getting done. We're just all sitting around. And so they're, they're like, let's be doing something. Let's be going somewhere. Uh, Mary's are more type B. You're usually a little less organized. You're usually a little less systematized. Martha's, you're quite type A. You like lists. You like checking them off. You like doing things in order. You like thinking linearly. Okay. You like structure to the max. And you like carrying it out to the letter. Marys, you enjoy the presence of God. Just being in God's presence. Um, I think the term soaking was developed by a bunch of Marys. The first time I heard soaking, I was like, what are you, you're, soaking, you're soaking in what? You know? And somebody says, you want to just come over and we're just soaking in God's presence. And it sounded like a big you know, hot tub Christian party or something. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. I was like, I don't, I don't really get that. Um, Martha's, you don't do much soaking. Uh, you're about giving presence to God. Okay? You're, about, you're about working and developing presence to give to God rather than being in God's presence so much. Mary, you're about relationship with God and others. Whereas Martha... You're about responsibility uh, to God and to others. You take that very seriously. You you feel a a deep sense of responsibility. Mary is about a full heart. Martha is about a full schedule. Marys tend to be a little bit more laid back. Martha, you tend to be a little bit more uptight. Marys tend to uh, not worry quite so much. Martha, you tend to be a little bit of a worrier, a little bit of a stress case. Um, I know this because I tend to be a little bit of a Martha all right? Um, I tend towards Martha. I I tend to, uh, I I have trouble sitting still, all right? Um, And I have ever since I was a little kid. When I was a little kid, my parents tell me that um, I would, they would put me to bed, and and when I was really little, I slept with this stuffed bird, but later on, I slept with a basketball, because I I love basketball, and that was my thing, and I I just, I always wanted to be playing basketball, and I didn't want to take a break from it, so I just sleep with my basketball, and I would kick my leg, You know, I just could not stop moving. Even when I was trying to fall asleep, I'd just be sitting there kicking my leg. And they would know that I went to sleep once, you know, sleep had finally wrestled me down to the ground and my leg would stop. And then I'd go to sleep for a couple hours and get up and just go crazy all over again. You know, when I would eat, we had this bench that went around our table and and my siblings would eat with their legs under the table like normal people. But I sat sideways because I could eat a little bit and then right after devotions, I'd be ready to go be ready to get, get back at whatever I needed to do, whatever I wanted to be playing or doing or whatever. I have a hard time sitting still. To this very day, my wife will sometimes ask me, can't you just sit still? No. Some of you ask, why do you pace so much when you preach? Why do you have to walk back and forth? I don't plan to walk back and forth a thousand times in a sermon. It just happens. I don't know why it happens, but it's just, it's just this thing in me that it's, I'm always going. And if you're Martha, you kind of understand that. Additionally, I tend to be a little bit of a stress case. And if you're a Martha in here, you can kind of relate with me. Um, I, I thought I was doing better uh, with this because I'm trying to give my worries over to the Lord and things like that. And Marthas tend to say that. But then something happens where they really want to control it and where they, they need to worry. Like my wife says, hey, me and the girls are going to go to Minot. Uh, for those of you who don't know where Minot is, it's right up next to the North Pole. If you look on the map, it's right up there. There's polar bears and all kinds of stuff, and it is cold up there and very snowy, and so uh, my opinion is that you shouldn't go to Minot unless it's summer, which means July. There's the rest of the year, and there's July in Minot. Uh, so I don't think you should go to Minot in the winter unless you have a, a sled and a big pack of dogs or something like that, because it's, it's very difficult to travel there, and I've, I've been... I've had many white-knuckle driving experiences coming home from there, and I'm just, I'm just dreading this when Jenny tells me me and the girls are going, because I'm like, you know, my wife is hearing impaired, and she, you know, she can't hear what the girls need, and she's going to be looking in the rearview mirror, and I can just picture this like, disaster looking for a place to happen. And, uh, and so I'm all worried, and, and I try to convince her, and finally she says, no, we're going to go, the roads are going to be fine, just stop worrying. And so then I go about my Martha task, which is creating a safety packet. Um, and so I made this big suitcase full of snowsuits and hats and gloves and boots and extra water and, and jumper cables. And I, I thought up of like everything. I just wanted to put a shield around this car. You know? Um, I made sure the oil's changed and everything's working right because that's my Martha tendency. All right? Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you a little bit more like a Mary or a little bit more like a Martha? Now, the, the tough thing about this story for Martha's. All right, is that it seems like Mary's the white knight here, doesn't it? It just seems like Mary is, is doing everything exactly right, and Martha's the one that, that gets corrected, and so she's all bad. I want to give you a little bit of a different perspective. That's not totally the case here, and both these lady are, ladies are great, but Martha does have her moment, and so we'll look at that. She has her, her little meltdown, and then um, you know Jesus deals with her gently, um, and then we can move on, but First, I want to address something with the Marys, then we'll talk about Martha's. and then we'll walk through the text here and see what Jesus would say to us. Um, so Marys, first of all. Now, I have uh, met a lot of people that say they're Marys, and I doubt it, okay? Um, most of these, I will say, are college and high school age men. Uh, and they say, yeah, I'm just like Mary. I love to sit around and do nothing, so I'm holy like Mary. <laughs> And I'm like, no, you're not like Mary at all. You're more like other people in the Bible. They're in the Proverbs. They're called sluggards. <laughs> all right? You're not like Mary at all. I would point out here that Mary, that this, this passage says nothing about Mary being lazy, it says nothing about Mary abdicating her responsibilities, um, it says nothing about her being slothful. Uh, we have no indication that Mary's holding any kind of a remote control or a game controller. She's not playing her Wii or her Xbox. Um, She is sitting at the Lord's feet learning. You see that? She's sitting at Jesus' feet learning. And this is a rare opportunity for a woman in her day to have a rabbi, such as Jesus, teach her and train her. And Jesus was happy to do that. He was happy to have her at his feet. Um, Now, additionally, Mary's tend to have this ability to sense things. And so I think, Mary, you know, she understood that Jesus was the Messiah, and I think she understood that Jesus wouldn't, he didn't come through very often, and she probably knew that he was on his way to the cross. Um, He was on his way to atone for the sin of the world, and so she's like, you know what, it's not because I'm lazy, but it's because I'm going to be wise and take this opportunity. I'm going to take every moment that I can to be with the Lord here. I'm not going to waste this opportunity. So Mary's being very wise. She's not being lazy. This is not a Yeah, just stop, just quit working, quit your job, and start being more lazy. The Bible would never say anything like that, okay? Now, on to Martha. And of course, I like Martha. I'll just be honest, because I tend to be more of a Martha. I tend to think, well, who would made the sandwiches if Martha wasn't doing it, right? And then I remember, oh yeah, Jesus had this weird ability to like, you know, snap his fingers and make a bunch of food. So, uh, but I I like Martha, and I think she kind of gets a bad rap. So I want to look at, What's good about Martha here? Well, look at verse 38. The first the first part of this story, Martha's just great. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Okay? So nobody else is saying, Hey Jesus, why don't you and your disciples come here and stay with us? You have a woman. Come come forward and say, Jesus, you come over and you stay with us. I'll take care of you. I'll hey I got the rooms all ready. The beds are all made. The sheets are all clean. You come on over. I'll cook you food. This was Martha's house. It doesn't say that this was Mary's house or anybody else's house. She had probably worked very hard to pay the mortgage and take care of all the bills. And she had this thing in order. And that's why I like Martha. I think, man, what an incredible gift. Those of you who have traveled for ministry purposes or even business purposes, you know that when you're traveling, you get somewhere and you're exhausted. And especially for ministry, if you're traveling for ministry, what happens when you get there? Normally, um, the people that are waiting for you have been, like, getting jacked up about it for a couple days. They're excited to hear from you, and they're excited for you to minister. And so you get there, and you're like, oh, where's the bed? And, they, and you get there, and they, they see you, and they're like, come on, man, you know, what do you got for us? And Jesus had that everywhere he went. People were excited to see him. They had things that they needed from him. They wanted their, their relatives and friends healed. And so Jesus comes to this town, and Martha says, Hey, why don't you take a load off, Jesus? You're tired. You have a lot of demands on you. I got everything taken care of. What a gift. What a gift that she could give to the Lord Jesus. And I'm sure he was incredibly grateful for it. Okay? So Martha's intent here is great. She's been diligent. Those of you who are Martha's in the church, I appreciate you because you're so diligent that you're able to give these great gifts. You got these great, hard-working hands. Okay? Now, where does it start to go bad? Well, right after we read verse 39, it says, She, meeting Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Okay? Then verse 40, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted. She gets distracted from the purpose of the visit. She gets distracted from what's most important, from the fact that she's caring, and loving, caring for and loving Jesus and inviting him and his disciples into her home. She gets distracted. How many of you do that? You get distracted from the initial purpose of a gathering or inviting people into your home like, uh, maybe you're going to have your neighbors over and they're not believers and you want to talk to them about their faith and their life and you invite them in for some food to just welcome them. But the whole process for getting to that point is so stressful because the food can't be good. It's got to be gourmet. You know, you've got to have all the hors d'oeuvres. You've got to have everything just right. Your house has got to look like no one's lived there in like a year. There can't be any spots every, anywhere. I mean, this is sometimes our home. I, I talked to Jenny about this because... Um, she, she, she loves to have a clean home, and that's a beautiful thing. But Martha gets a bit distracted here. She goes overboard. How many of you go overboard with the preparations? You know, the Bible says that Martha got distracted with the preparations that had to be made. But my question is, did all of them have to be made, or were there some that she just did because she had to do? Because it was Martha. And I don't want Jesus to have better chicken somewhere else down the road. Jesus is going to have the best chicken here. He's going to have the biggest piece of chicken. He's going to have the best food. He's not going to go somewhere else and say, i got better food than, than here than at Martha's house. He's going to have the best stuff here. And there's some pressure. I mean, when God comes over to your house, you want to make a good meal. You know, I, I can see where she's coming from. You know, you don't want to show your, the sloppy side when, when the Son of God is coming to your house to eat. But um, I wonder how many of these preparations had to be made. So she gets distracted. Now, it gets a bit worse. Uh, As she works, you know, of course, Martha's, we tend to get overextended. We tend to say, yes, 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 I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, even when we can't physically complete it. Um, We tend to exhaust ourselves to the max. And we tend to have to do things because we don't want anybody to do it wrong. Right? Um, If you're going to make that and everybody's eating at my house, then they're going to think I made that. And so I don't want you to make that wrong. I'll just do it give me that. Hey, I'll just do that. And so Martha, you can just see her. She's doing that. Then after a while, Martha start to feel really stressed. You start to feel like there's a lot of anxiety on you and you start to feel overwhelmed. And then and then pretty soon you get a bit snippy with people. And then pretty soon Martha's all alone in the kitchen because nobody wants to be around snippy Martha and you can't do anything right for her anyway. Right. Um, I've been there before. So, uh, what happens is Martha's in there. You can see her chopping away, and she's just getting more and more frustrated and angry. And Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and I can't stand my sister. And she's just always sitting around, and I'm always having to do this all by myself. And she's—you can see her internally. She's just boiling up and getting a bit hotter and hotter. And finally, she boils over and does something she's going to regret. She comes in the living room. You can see her carrying her wooden spoon, and she says to Jesus, "Don't you care?" Ouch. She asked the creator of the heavens and the earth, the savior of the world, don't you care? I mean, I just picture Jesus, you know. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? I picture Jesus just sitting back and saying, well, let's see. I created the heavens and the earth. I'm upholding all things. I'm here to atone for the sin of the world. Yeah, I care. You know? But he doesn't get smart with her. You know, that's the beautiful thing. He doesn't get smart with her and say, well, let's just talk about how much I care for you, Martha. Um, not everybody cares in the same way that we care, right? Martha, you've you, you got to realize that here. But she takes it a step further, okay? And, and uh, this could be a good indication to us why Martha is still single. She gets bossy with Jesus, okay? So she, she, takes, she takes that, you know, she comes in there and she says, don't you care? And then she says, now you tell her, to come help me. So not only now has she asked the Savior of the world, the God of the universe, if he cares, but she's now bossing him around. And this is another trend that we can get, can't we, Martha? That when we get a bit stressed out, when we get frustrated, we start bossing people around. We start, we start, we we actually we, we do things that we wouldn't normally want to do. Um, and this is what happens with Martha in this. She's just having a little bit of a meltdown here. She's just having a moment. And Jesus could have gotten angry here. He could have said, listen, you don't tell me what to do. I'm God. And he could have said a number of things right there. But he doesn't. And look at how Jesus gently handles Martha. He says to her, Martha, Martha. You know, and you could see Jesus saying this a number of ways, but I see him just saying, oh, Martha, Martha. You know, maybe even just chuckling like, Martha, hey, come on. What happened? A minute ago you were welcoming now, us. Now you're all upset and angry. What happened? You know, look at you're you're worried and upset about many things. You're stressed out. What's going on, Martha? Where's all this anger coming from? And it's kind of like Jesus the therapist in this moment, like Martha, Martha, he's just showing her life, like, hey, just you know, chill for a second. How many of you, this is you today? You're stressed out, you're worried, you're upset, you're angry, you got this, you know, this bitterness that you're working all by yourself, you're tired, exhausted. You know, this is our whole culture. Do you realize that? We live in a Martha culture. Um, You know, according to the Wall Street Journal, I was reading some statistics this past week, and Americans, you know, we work more now than we ever have. On average, at least 10 hours per week more than we ever have. We're working more now than any country on the face of the earth. Uh, We don't take vacations. Um, We've invented a new thing called working vacations, which is the biggest oxymoron. It means that you just do your work from a nicer location. and you take, So you take your emails, you take, you take your phone, and, you, and you're so accessible to everyone that you can never, ever take a break. You can never take any time off. You're just always on the clock. You're always working. You're always responding to some sort of email. And if you look at some of the big CEOs in the companies, Google and Yahoo, they just work insane number of hours. It's insane. But it's driving us into the ground. As a result of this, um, 40 million Americans in 2011 reported dealing with some sort of an anxiety disorder. 40 million. There's approximately 300 million people in America. 40 million of us have some sort of an anxiety disorder. One in five Americans, over 18, is taking some sort of a psychiatric drug to deal with things like anxiety and depression. One in five. It's 20% of us. A lot. A lot of it due to just... Stress, just work, just work, just work, just got to keep up, just got to keep going, can't take a break, our Martha mentality, our overall use of these psychiatric meds is up 22% since 2001. So since 2001, we've gone up 22% in our use of these things. We're saying, I've got to get some peace somehow. I've got to relax somehow. But the list goes on. It needs to be done. So give me a couple pills and I'll go to work. And that's what's happening. It's happening all, I mean, it's, it's so common now. It's what happens when we get distracted in our lives, when our priorities get out of whack. We lose sight of Jesus and what's most important. We end up like Martha. We're worried, we're stressed, we're anxious, uptight, can't sleep, can't relax, can't think. We, then we, yeah, I mean, the odd thing is we're so tired that we can't sleep. You get in bed and your mind just races, just keeps going. Let's look at what Jesus says to her in verse 42. He says, oh Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. That's a good thing for us to remember. And then he says, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Some translations say the better portion. And it will not be taken from her. He's saying there's only one thing right now that's needful above all others. There's only one thing right now that you need to be doing. Um, and Mary's actually chosen that thing. He's not saying, Martha, what you're doing is evil and bad. He recognizes Martha's got good intent here. He's just saying, Mary's chosen the better thing here. She's, cho- she's chosen the portion that will last. She's chosen me as her great portion. I can take care of the other things, Mary. Remember those 5,000 people that I fed with a couple of fish and a couple loaves of bread? Yeah, I can, I can do that thing again. You know, I, I'm not... You know, I'm not, my hands are not tied here. Mary's chosen what's better. Now, here's the big idea of this passage and, and of the Bible's view of this idea in Scripture, of Mary and Martha, all throughout Scripture. Is Here's the pattern. It's always Mary first, Mary time first, and Martha time second. It's always rest and spend time with God, connect with God, and then out of that rest, you work as a form of worship. So is Mary first, Martha second. We want Mary's heart, and we want Martha's hands. We want to worship like Mary, and we want to work like Martha. And this pattern is set out over and over again in the Bible. There's, there's a daily order to this thing. You know, in Genesis, when God created man, um, he gave them work to do, and he called it good. Work was a blessing. Work was a good thing. And it still is a good thing, even though the curse has made it toil some days. And some of you say, yeah, my job is more toil than work. Well, it's it's supposed to be a good thing. Work is a blessing for us, and we can do it to the glory of God, worshiping God. However, we have to do it in the appropriate order. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see that God laid out a daily order. Um, He said there was evening and there was morning the first day, evening and there was morning the second day. And the Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. So they, they reckon time totally different than we did. Their days began at sundown. Okay, um, So at sundown, tonight, it would be Monday. And how we would start the day would be by, because we wouldn't have electricity, we'd light a candle and, and put a log on the fire and, and connect with our families and, and the body of Christ, maybe have some people over, visit. Um, pray together, open up the word together, talk about the things of God. Relax, wind down from the day of work. And then after that time, connecting with God and his people and community, we would go to sleep. And that would be the first two parts of our day. Connecting with God and his people, going to sleep. And then we'd wake up and we'd work as the, out of, out of us, a heart of worship to God, to the glory of God, for the good of other people, and we would do that out of a full heart as the end of our day. See how, that, see how that's so much different from our culture? Our culture, the beginning of the day, is the first part of the day. And what happens in my life is I'm laying in bed like this morning or yesterday morning, and I'm usually, you know, the alarm goes off and I'm in some sort of contorted position because one or two girls have joined us in bed. And... Um, and so it's not been, you know, it's not been that restful. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm awake now. And then as soon as that alarm goes off, your adrenaline fires. And then the kids need something, and you just start going and you start running. And some of you might be morning people. You do your time with the Lord in the morning. Uh, praise God for you. I would wake up the whole house the moment I just take one little step out of. It. I got to be kind of like the ninja, you know, in the morning getting out of bed, you know, to, to even not wake up my kids. They're just they can sense it when I'm awake. Um, but. You know, then, then the, the whole day just turns into a rat race. And a lot of times we get home at night, throw something on the table, quick grab something. Everybody's running their separate directions, and, our, and we hit the pillow exhausted, not getting any merry time at all. We try to squeeze merry time in at the end because our day starts in the morning, our day ends in the evening. We, we try to slide it in there at the end. A lot of times it doesn't happen. We're too exhausted. What if we flipped it around? How are you ordering your evenings? I know some of you have weird work schedules, and, and maybe that doesn't work, but I think a lot of us could benefit from just saying, how am I structuring my time in the evening? How am I, how am I planning that out? Am I spending any time thinking about how, is, how are we as a family or as a community, with me and my friends and the people of God, going to connect with each other and with God in the evenings before we rest? How are we going to wind down from our day and, and, and take that merry time so that our work is done out of a heart of worship? Instead of a heart that's, that's burdened and tired and exhausted and stressed out, anxious. How are you doing that? Are you taking, are you taking time for that merry time each day to just connect with God, to open up the scriptures, to talk to him, to connect with his people, to laugh with your kids, to play with them? Are you taking time to do that? I would, I would encourage you. Um, the Bible has laid out order for us to do this each and every day so that our work doesn't become toil so quickly. Uh, Additionally, there's a weekly order. Of course, in the Old Testament, there was a Sabbath day on the seventh day. You had six Martha days with a little Mary time built into each one of those Martha days, and then you had a rest day on the Sabbath day, which was a day to connect with God and his people and a day to rest and recharge your batteries. Now, once Jesus came, he made that day, uh, the rest day, the Sabbath day, into Sunday because that's when Jesus rose from the dead and some of you you can you can even see how the daily order thing works because the Bible says Jesus was crucified on Friday and he rose again three days later on Sunday and you're like Friday, Saturday wait a minute. How does that three days? Um, well it's three days in their time because Jesus because the night morning thing, right? The day starts in, in the evening and Jesus was buried for a portion of three days. Okay? So Jesus sets this new order for, for Christians where now we come together as a family of God, as the people of God, and we worship on Sunday. We take that time to connect with God and his people, and we rest. Now, I understand some of your jobs are different. I'm not harping on you here, but how are you doing with your Sabbath time? Are you getting a, time, a day of rest? Are you getting a day to just cut everything out? You know, turn the phone off for crying out loud. Um, otherwise, that thing is always beeping or buzzing or doing that silly ringtone that you put on it? You know, and just going crazy. Are you, are, do you have a day? You know, this is what God gave you as a gift. He said, you're frail, you're human, you're weak. You're not like me. You need to rest. And so he gave us a day and commanded us not to work. What a great excuse to play and just to relax and just to chill and say, nope, I'm, I'm not working today because God says I can't. <laughs> And if God says you can't, you can't. Now, what Marthas tend to do with the Sabbath days, they tend to make it into a huge list of rules, so it's actually more stressful than the other six days. Okay? They're like, okay, Sabbath day. So what are the things that we can't do? Let's make a list. It's going to be really long. I think most of the Pharisees were Marthas. And And then what are the things that we have to do? And that's just opposite of what God wants. He wants this to be a day where you worship, connect with God and his people, and where you rest. It's just that simple. You play, you enjoy, you, you remember things. I will comment more on that in a minute here. Now, as we close here, many of you Marthas, and, and it's probably some of you Marys are in here saying, hey, I need help. I'm stressed out. I'm, I, I'm, I'm carrying all this weight. I, I'm running myself ragged. Um, my life doesn't have an a, appropriate order to it. I'm not connecting with God. I'm not connecting with the people around me, the people of God around me. Um, what do I do? Well, I feel like the sermons that I've heard uh, usually end up something like this. Martha, you just stop it. You just quit it and be more like Mary. Which doesn't help Martha like Mary anymore. Okay? Um, and it doesn't seem to be overly helpful for Martha because what she does is she says, okay, give me a list. And then she adds that list to her other six lists. And then she goes about checking that box and doing those things. And it becomes even more stressful for Martha. I don't want to do that to you today. Um, I want to give you a couple strategies. And because I'm a Martha, I have three things. Um, but they're not things to do. They are things to not do, but do them. But they're things that involve doing them that involve not doing anything. Okay? I hope this is making sense. Number one, strategies for cultivating more of a merry heart. Because we want to keep your Martha hands. I think God made you the way he did for a reason. And God's got a lot of great things for you to do. Okay? Okay? Um, and he appreciates you and loves you. But he uh, is God all by himself, and he can accomplish what he needs to accomplish without you. So you need to remember that, too. However, uh, strategy number one, understand that Jesus likes you. Understand this. This concept, and and Jack even prayed this today, uh, this concept does more for your relationship with God than probably anything else, just understanding that Jesus is not frustrated with you. You know, when Martha comes in with her wooden spoon there, in her little moment, Jesus doesn't say, See, Mary, this is why I like you so much better than Martha. You know, because she's just so uptight. You're crying out loud. You know, I can't even relax for 10 minutes, and then she's already coming here telling me what to do. No, he, he just, he's, he's like, Martha, Martha. You know, he likes her. My thing is, I think, I think Jesus missed Martha. He's like, Martha, why don't you just come sit down with us for a minute? You know, the food will get done. I did go without food for like 40 days one time. I'm going to be fine. You know, just come and, and come and relax with us for a little bit. Jesus likes you, even in the midst of your Martha moments. Jesus liked Martha, even in the midst of her meltdown, and He likes you. And if you understand that deep down in your heart, you will be drawn to Him more and more. Just understanding that simple thing: Jesus likes me, and He wants to be with me. That's all you have to do. Understand that, because we don't like to be around people that don't like us, do we? If you think that somebody's, you know, annoyed with you, irritated with you, bugged by you, that just kind of get a a bad taste in their mouth when they see you, that doesn't make you want to, like, go and hang out with them. Um, So you have to understand that Jesus likes you, Martha, even in the midst of your moments. Number two, um, you need to try some of the Mary disciplines. Now, Martha, you're prone to things like spiritual disciplines like hospitality and and, um, service and mentoring and discipling, all doing things. Try some retreating, um, some solitude, some fasting, some rest. Uh, this is a great book that I went through uh, in one of my spiritual formations classes. It's called Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Calhoun. And um, it's very Martha-oriented uh, because we tend to be the ones that struggle with this kind of thing because um, it involves a lot of not doing Um, But it's laid out very simply, so you get a good explanation of the discipline on one page, some spiritual exercises to do that go along with it, and then it gives you a little chart. We love charts, right? Definition, the scriptures, why we do this, practice includes this, um, the fruit of it, we want to know what we're going to get in the end, because otherwise there's no point. And this book will help you with that, and it gives you a, a good list of all the spiritual disciplines that you can try. So try some of them. Fasting is a great one, I think. And, and in Lent, um, some of us are doing some fasting and, and it's great. Just don't tell anybody that you're doing it unless they're going to do it with you because then it becomes about spiritually one-upping people and Jesus doesn't like that. Um, but that's a great one for Martha's because fasting is actually the opposite. It slows you down. I don't know why somebody came up with the name fasting. They probably hadn't tried it. It should be called <laughs> slowing. Slowing way down way, way slower. You go without food and your brain starts just grinding to a halt. And that body of yours that is you know, so eager to go do stuff, you just lay there and say, oh God, I would love a cheeseburger. You know, and you just start thinking about food and, and it just, it's a really a great practice to try. Um, so try some of those merry things that Marys are more prone to, the, the, the resting and the solitude and, and, and getting away with the Lord. Um, try some of those things. You might really find that that's what you're needing. I've found some of those to be, you know, retreating is a great thing that um, it's a struggle for us to get there, but Pastor Bill and I try to do it every month, uh, one day a month, and it's always blessed. Um, it's always what we needed. All right? And then lastly, uh, Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Uh, I can't emphasize this enough for your lives. This is, this is the fourth commandment that God gives us. And I want to I share something as we close here from Deuteronomy. Uh, this is the one account of the law in Deuteronomy 5, uh, the Ten Commandments, and the other one is in Exodus 20. Now, um, God says something very unique in Deuteronomy 5 about the Sabbath. He says here, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is Deuteronomy 5, verse 12. And then he goes on, Six days till so you labor, do all your work. Jump down to verse 15. It says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So here's the key, Martha. This is, this is one of the things you do on the Sabbath day. You remember. You remember that you're not a slave anymore. You're not slaves. See, here's the thing about slaves. They can't rest. You have no choices. It's work, and that's it. And so part of the reason why God commanded this, this day of rest, is so that his people would remember who they are And remember what their God had done for them. But they're not slaves anymore. They can rest because their God has delivered them. And likewise, you and I are no longer slaves. You say, well, when was I ever a slave? Well, we were, first of all, slaves to sin. The Bible says that we were slaves to sin before Christ freed us. And he has freed us and given us the power of his Holy Spirit. But secondly, we were slaves to the law, having to obey the law to complete our own righteousness. And the thing of it is, there was no way we were doing that on our own. There's no way we could do that. So, part of the Sabbath for you, Martha, is remembering I'm not a slave anymore. Jesus Christ has worked on my behalf to accomplish the work that I could never do so that I can be free and have rest in Him. That's part of it. It's like you use the gospel on yourself every Sabbath day. You say, Why am I resting today? I don't have to earn my own salvation. I don't have to be working for God nonstop. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. My work is never to earn anything anymore. My work is not so that God would be pleased with me, but because in Christ He already is. Do you see that? That's why we can Sabbath. That's why we can take a day off. That's why we don't have to share Jesus with every single single person we see. If it depended on that, all of us would still be condemned. But you can take a day of rest and stop the ministry. You can day, take a day of rest and stop counseling people. There's, there's always going to be stuff to be done. You can take a day of rest because God has accomplished for you the work that you couldn't do. He set you free so that you can rest in Him. Life Church, this concept is going to be very important for us to get in the coming year. Um, why? Because we're going to work very hard. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but we're bringing more and more things to you. Coat projects and, and clothing orphans and, 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 and working next month to, to get uh, funds together for adoptions and, and sponsoring more children in Swaziland. And we're trying to do a water project in our community in Swaziland. And now we've got this massive garden. Jack just brought in a few uh, tomato plant seedlings that have sprouted up. Well, those are a few of like 300. How many of you have seen a garden of 300 tomato plants? That's going to be a lot of work. 200 feet of carrots, lots and lots of onions, lots and lots of cabbage. We're going to work our tails off. It's good news for you, Martha. Mary, you're going to have to get going. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though. Okay? As we work, as we do the Harvest Festival, as we do summer outreach, as we disciple people, as we teach them the Bible, we're going to do all this great work okay, for God and his glory and for the good of other people. As we do all this work, we're going to, have to remember, we're going to have to remember this concept that it's Mary first and Martha second. Otherwise, if you do this out of a Martha heart, you're going to wind up like Martha, stressed out, upset, um, tense, worried, anxious. It's going to have the opposite effect that God wants it to have on our lives. But here's the deal. If we will do this work this year at your jobs and in the church out of a, a Mary heart, a heart of worship, and we do our work as an extension of worship to the Lord for his glory and for the good of other people, then this year will be nothing but life and joy for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for giving us Jesus. We thank you that he set us free, that we're no longer slaves anymore. We're not slaves to our sin. We're not slaves to having to obey a set of rules to make ourselves righteous on our own. But he's completely come and done the work that we couldn't do. Lord, we thank you for work. We thank you for good work that we can do. We thank you for purpose in this life. That you've given us an incredibly fascinating, interesting, compelling story to be a part of. It's your story. The redemption of all creation. And we get to start that now. We get to be a part of that work now. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us merry hearts, full of worship to you for everything that you've done, and that you'd give us Martha Hands ready to go to work. Ready to do that work to your glory and for the good of other people. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. We pray. Amen.
0: Well, the Marys much. We all need it in the kingdom of God to do what God has called us to do. Um, so, we're going to have a, a prayer team to come up, and uh, we're going to have some people up here to pray for you guys if you need prayer. Um, so just um, just know that uh, if you're Martha, you know we need workers. If you're Mary, we need people that's going to pray and intercede on on our behalf. Or if you're both, you're both. Both is even better. So let's just know that whichever we are you know we're needed by god but need we needed to to get the word out to other people about god you know and it's important so so if any of you guys need prayer just come up and if you don't need prayer then you you are dismissed but first i just like to pray for you father god we thank you so much for this opportunity to come into your presence and to um, listen to an an amazing message about two sisters who were totally opposite but both uh very much so needed so I pray today Lord God that you would help us to to be like both of them help us to have um, start our day off with with prayer and and, uh, meditation with you and then to get up and and act on that as as Martha did to get up and serve and to uh, do the things that you'll call us to do in this life so we just thank you for for being our God we thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light Uh, so we just we praise your holy name today God and we thank you in Jesus name we pray amen So you're dismissed. If you need prayer, come up, please.